Welcome everybody to True Exact Show. I'm here with Eric tonight, and our special guest is we're bringing it back to New Jersey, man. We're going with uh, the up and coming artist who I came across with stuff I really like, so I asked him to come on. He was nice enough to take some time. Like Gibby Stites, what's up, man? What's going on? How y'all doing? I appreciate you guys having me out here, and I appreciate New Jersey being in the building so heavy right now. Of okay. No, oh, yeah, of <laughs> course. Now, before we get to your uh, influence in music, how you got in it, we always ask New Jersey artists. Now, this might sound a little Jersey Shore-ish, but it is not. <laughs> is it Taylor Ham or Pork Roll to you? What? Pork Roll. I've always known Pork Roll. That's, I, I ain't even saying <laughs> Taylor Ham. Who is that? That's what I've known. <laughs> All right. If pork Roll, I can choose. We got that yes. out of the way. Yes. Every, yes. Bro, the other... This the other two Interview's are, over. Interview's <laughs> over. That's all we needed. That's all we needed. <laughs> well, you're the first New Jersey artist we've had on that actually agree with us in that manner. Actually. Oh, my God. That's all I've ever heard. I go to restaurants and diners, and that shit says pork roll on the menu. Like, of course. Yeah. yeah. So yeah me- I, went, I went to Brooklyn once and asked for a Taylor ham, egg, and cheese. They gave me a cold piece of ham <laughs> on, on cheese and egg, and I was like, this is not the same. There's not a lot. Like when someone says Taylor ham, I picture like a piece of ham in a suit, like real tailored and fit well. <laughs> that's what I see. I don't know. Yeah, uh, very okay. different. We'll get we'll get into some of Eric's uh, West Coast shenanigans with food explanations later on. But first, give me. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about uh, your career and how you got into music because I know you're you're very versatile. And we'll get into the like scar tissue remix you did in like the <laughs> modern rock era, if you will, because I'm gonna assume we're around the same age with Blinker eighty two, and that's kind of why I was attracted to your stuff. I, I think it's really cool how you're all over the place in a good way. So how'd you get into music in general? Like, tell us about how you started. Um, so starting music, I mean, it was always around me. Like growing up, listening as a kid, my mom was very diverse. I lived with her, and my dad was like part time. I would see him. He was all rap, though, so that's where I would get all the rap influence, uh, hanging out with him. He would be listening to N.W.A. and G when when that shit was coming out. And then my mom was always into, like, the rock stuff, but she had a little bit of rap, like the rap you would expect, I guess, a mom to have in her cat. Actually, not really. She had Eminem and shit in there. Just, you know, but uh, she, I guess that's where, like, a lot of that that rock stuff comes from, because she would listen to a lot of, like, Nickelback and Creed and stuff and, like... The Blink-182, but all the way to, like, Grateful Dead, and uh, she was all over the place. So all that random stuff was being played, but I always was like, where's the rap music? That's what I want. I want to see my dad. He's got the rap music. Like, <clears throat> so I started getting into it when I was, like, eight, nine years old, roughly. I was in, I was, to be honest with you, man, I was influenced by Lil Bow Wow. Because I was wow. like, yo, I was like, he's a kid. That's the exclusive I've never given anybody. Like, the early influences was, like, definitely Biggie, Nelly. 50 Cent Eminem, and then it's like, when I saw a little Bow Wow, though, because I was in, like, first or second grade, and I was like, he's a little kid, I can rap, and to be real, my, my original dream was to be, like, the kid rapper, thought I was going to blow up when I was, like, 13 or something, which yeah. it, it was good to have that confidence or whatever, but I remember, yeah, I would, like, I had stepbrothers when I was, like, 10 years old, and I told them I wanted to rap, and they were instantly, like, yo, we free, they were older than me, they were, like, 16, 17 and shit, they're like, yo, we freestyle up in the bedroom every fucking night, come up here. So I would literally go freestyle with these dudes, like, when I was 10, 11 years old and shit. And by the time I was 12, we're in, like, let me think, 12, 13 years old. It's, like, 2008, 2009. So you got technology coming to play. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was kind of late because we were on the broke side. So I didn't have a laptop or nothing yet. <clears throat> and I remember going to Radio Shack, 
trying to ask them about like cassette recorders and shit. This is 2009. Wow. And I was like, so I was living in Trenton at this time. I moved around a lot as a kid. And I'm living in Trenton. I remember taking the bus to Radio Shack. Like, yo, y'all got like cassette recorders and microphones. And the dude was like, bro, go get a computer. So <laughs> like, that's literally what he told me. He was like, it's 2009. Uh, look at Soldier Boy. Do what he did. Go get a computer. I was like, all right. So, yeah, I'll never forget. We went to my grandma's house and got a big fucking like a 99 gateway computer. And I produced my first. I downloaded FL Studio for free. Bought a $20 program called Cakewalk that I still use to this day, but I used the upgraded version. And, mm -hmm. dude, this computer was so big. It was the same computer I used as a kid, like, at my grandma's house doing paint and shit. And, um, man, I made, like, my first EP on there. I made my first website through there. And when I was 14, I dropped all that shit. I, was, I went by a different rap name. I was M80 back then. Uh, M80, the firecracker, because I was going to blow up. <laughs> I had, had big plans, man. Oh, man. But, but I like that. <laughs> that was the beginnings, though. That, that, that was definitely all the beginnings right there. And that led me up to learning how to record my own shit. So I want to ask that because, actually, I really misjudged your age because I realize I'm way older and I feel like a douchebag now. <laughs> so, so, I apologize. So, no, no, yeah. So I, I just want to say, bro, Trenton, I am a Tesco University alumni, Thomas Edison State College Online. Oh, shit. Well, I, 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 I know that's around you. Just want to throw that out there. Um. Uh, I want to say, too, because when we were growing up, um, it was a lot of um, – you might be too young to remember. I don't even know if you're alive. Crisscross was, like, early 90s. Uh, young oh, hell yeah. 12, 13-year-olds. So exactly. So when you mentioned, like, being one of those teen rappers, I thought of that. Um, Nelly Country Grammar, amazing album, by the way. I'm glad you yes, brought one it of up. My first, one of the first rap albums I remember owning, like, on CD. Now, when, when you were young, like, so you're 13 in 09 and the technology's taken over. As someone who's older, we weren't, like, prevalent to knowing what the hell. I'm still technologically an idiot to some point. Like, how were you so in-depth with that at that age? Like, how'd you just figure that out? Like, or did you teach yourself? Uh, I, it was definitely self-taught, but it was, I was so inspired because, again, like, we were broke to the point where like all of my friends at school had an Xbox 360 and Xbox one. And I still had the PlayStation two and the Nintendo 64. So I was reading behind the paint by ICP, the ICP autobiography. And it's like, I was reading that getting inspired about being an independent rapper, booking studio time, pressing up flyers, reading this old ass book, right? This book was written like 10 years ago at the time. So then when I found out technology could do so much, like when I found out you could get a smartphone for roughly a hundred bucks and access Twitter and Facebook and all, I was so inspired at having like the, the rap game at my hands that I just, I would lock in after school. Actually, I think it started in the summertime. And when we got that computer, as slow as it was, I would sit there and anything I wanted to learn, I would Google it and watch YouTube videos. And if it required 20, 30 bucks to buy a certain program to edit my video or something like i would save up to make that happen but it was a lot of nights of like it was a lot of trial and error because i where i fucked up and what i would recommend to a lot of young artists don't do what i did i put out my first music like everything i was making i put it out it's all down mm -hmm. now nobody's gonna find that shit hopefully but um it was trial and error dude like my first song had no ad libs or in and outs or mixing to it it was just me recording on the beat right. and then i was like all right why don't my shit sound as good as other people and over years of just constantly doing that, I learned how to record, mix, make beats, uh, edit videos. And my last album, Regularly Scheduled Programming, was like half produced by me. And I mixed 90% of it. 
So it's like going to that from 14 years old and dropping the song with like no ad libs over a Lil Wayne beat probably or whatever I was rapping on at the time. You know, so I was just inspired. I definitely taught myself. I didn't really have anybody. I never got to go to a studio or something or like I didn't have older people around me at that time to really ask. So I would watch who who taught me the most to be real. It was like Hobson was coming out at the time. This was okay. 09, volume, yeah. and, yep, and Funk Volume was it was the biggest thing because he would do tiny chat every night with his fans. Um, and he would really sit there and like, he would drop game on us. Yo, he'd be like, you want to make beats, get FL studio. You want to edit videos, download this. And I would do a lot of getting inspired by Hobson because his album sounded professional to me. He recorded it in his basement and he was flexed in the fact that he recorded it in his basement. So it's, it was just a lot of that. Yeah. Just a lot of YouTube tutorials for the most part. I would say ill mind five is still one of the best releases Hobson's ever had. Ill mind five was amazing. Dude, um, I went back to it now because it dropped when I was a kid and it hit right, me. Right. He's attacking me. And then I went back to it and I was like, it's still dope. Like it's still fucking dope. I know you got uh, we actually interviewed uh, DJ Hopper on this show and he talked about here. Yeah, he pretty he talked in depth about funk volume, like the rise and fall. If, if you have time, go back and listen to that interview. Really, it's actually on his Broken Complex website. It's really cool, like the the in depthness how he talks about just sleeping on like floors of funk volume and just the amount they went through just to get the name out there. You know, it was really cool. Yeah. Right. I was telling someone this the other day. I was like, man, I was a funk volume kid. Like, I it, I never thought we would get to that point where I can look back and that was an era. But mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Go, go on, Eric. Sorry. How, how old were you when you started rapping? When I started recording, I was 14. Like, when I recorded my first song, made my first beat and all that. When I started writing, I was, like, eight or nine. Like, definitely. Because I had so many notebooks and shit. By the time I was ready to record, I was just ready to go. Yeah. This is when writing on paper was still a thing. I type in my phone now, but I still yeah. got those shoeboxes. Because I find it interesting to see, like, what you rap about now as an adult and you're, you're able to see everything that's going on, whether it's politics, whether it's racial injustice and whatnot, to what you, you wrote about when you were eight or nine. <laughs> like, oh, my what, God. What, <laughs> like, what was that progression like? Like, you know what I mean? I we were like, yeah, like, my teacher took my juice box to, like, no, like, we all need to stand up. Like, what was that no. like? What you just said is so funny because I remember being in eighth grade and I would write this is about my teachers. Like, like if I got suspended or kicked out of a class, I would spend the whole time I was in, in school or whatever, I would spend that time writing a rap like, oh, I'm, I'm going to spit this shit at lunch. I'm going to get back at the teachers. It was really, when I, when I came out, it was just a lot of wanting to be crazy rap because yeah. I started writing when I was eight, nine. And again, it was like, Probably a lot of the stuff that was on the radio. I think when I was eight, nine, what I would do was download. I would download the lyrics of a song that was hot at the time, like "Riding Dirty" or "Candy Shop" by Fifty Cent. This is fourth grade. Keep in mind, don't laugh too hard. Right. So yeah, like, that's fine. I would download their lyrics and I would cross out the parts that rhyme so I could have their flow. But I would like cross out the rhymes and write my own rhyme. So it was really remixes when I was eight or nine. Wow. I, I was remixing shit, and then I would freestyle with my stepbrothers, and they introduced me to ICP, Twisted, Tech 9 and all that crazy shit. So by the time I was 11, 12, I wanted to be a, a hardcore rapper at first. Right. It was like, I was just trying to rap the craziest shit I could, or it was real emotional. It was like one or the mm -hmm. other. Um, and then as I got older, eventually I had a stylistic change when I started going by my real name, Gibby Stites. My name was Gilbert, but my family name has always been Gibby. Like I'm the third Gibby in my family. My dad was Gibby. So there had a point where I was like, I, I don't, I listen to so many rappers who do horrorcore, right? Or they do right. crazy shit, storytelling, mm -hmm. whatever it may be. And I'm like, 
they do that. Let them do that. You know what I mean? I love that they do that. Like, that's not yeah. my lane necessarily. I hit a point where things started coming out of me less than me forcing the ideas. And then I started going by Gibby Stites instead of M80. And just like, I think I was 17 when I did that. That's that's real cool. I never even heard about that with the crossing out the lyrics to keep the flow in the. That is really fucking genius, man. That is very smart. I I, I also too, I'm glad you found that out at a young age to find your own flow because I think it takes a lot of people time. Whether it's comedy, podcasting, music. Listen, I grew up. I love M. Like um, Fabulous was one of my favorite rappers, and I felt like every time I rapped, I had a fab flow. I was worried about like the punchline, and it took until honestly me. It took until about twenty seven to like find my lane, and that's late. So like I'm, that's really really cool that you found it that young, man. Good for you. I I appreciate that. I was just uh. Man, I was working at, like that was literally my entire life. Cause like not to get into too much personal shit, but I just like I said, I definitely moved a lot. It was a lot of family issues, and it's like I found myself alone a lot as a kid, and that was just the one thing I always worked on. And I would tell it's funny because certain things I would tell myself came to fruition, and I would be like, "Yeah, work on this shit," because one day you gonna meet so and so, and like one day you'll work with so and so, and a lot of them people like Twisted, Janie Madrox, these were the people I would tell myself I would work with and meet, and it's like. I look back now and I'm like, damn, bro, you there. Like, like you're getting there. I'm not there, but I'm definitely getting there. And it's yeah. enough to, uh, I don't know. It's crazy that I'm 25 and I can reflect on things from 10 years ago about rapping, like contests I entered. You know what I mean? And um, yeah, I don't know. I definitely, I started young. I've been working on it. And I never stopped working on it. Of all my, a lot of the people I know, a lot of people stopped. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, shout out to my homies who did keep going. But a lot of the people from high school that I would rap with and shit, it's like, on and off, on and off. No matter what I had going on in my life, I had to have a new song uploaded. You know what I mean? Right. At least yeah. every month. A any type of career where it's like, it's not go to college, get a nine to five, shut up and do your work, whatever. I feel like there's a lot of like pushback from like family and friends and whatnot. So like you mentioned, some of your friends just kind of stopped doing it. I, I don't want to say they failed at it, but they just stopped. Maybe other things came up. Or did you ever come across that situation where you're like, all right, I should just give this up? And like, what made you keep going? To be honest with you, and this, and I hate saying this because it, it might sound so like thought of or cliche, but there has never been a time from age nine to now, there was never a time where I thought like, I'm going to stop making music. Even mm. at times when I was hopeless and I was broke and I've been putting out music for eight years and I had 90 plays on my new video. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah. I would always be like, even if it don't go nowhere, I'm going to do it. Like, right. I don't fucking care. Like, I'm going to – my next album will still be hotter even if nobody buys it. Like, it was always and – and, and it was never like, I'm not going to make it. I really didn't have that fear too often. But there was definitely – everybody gets hopeless now and then. Everybody gets real fucking broke sometimes. And the, the thought of just not making the music never clicked with me. Like, it was never even – a thought in my mind, you know what I mean? And I know homies, yeah. when, I, when I was talking about people who stopped doing it, like, let me talk about some of the homies who do do it, you know? Like, I got homies who were, um, been doing this shit since the 90s, you know what I mean? And they got home studios, and they drop mixtapes, make beats, whatever it may be. Um, and they just love making music, and they're never going to stop, you know? So, yeah. I was always one of them people, but at the same time, I was always pressing to get somewhere. Like, I never gave up hope as far as, like, I'm going to stop promoting it now, you know? Right. Like... And I think music has a bad um, bad outlook if you don't make it at a certain age more than any other thing in the world. Like, think about it. Like, uh, like I'm 34, I think. 
Yeah. So <laughs> you'll get yeah. to that point. Gibby, you'll get to that point where you stop. Are you sure? Yeah. yeah. So like there was a time I, I didn't make music for like eight years and it got to the point I was still writing. But I, I was like, man, I'm too old. I'm too old. But then I looked at it as, wait, what does this differentiate from someone who just enjoys cooking? Who's doing it at 40? Who's doing yeah. it at 35? Why is I can't music, make cookies. I'm right, 40. Right. Why, yeah. why is music like so much Right. Why is music so much different? And it just seems like that that's a good point you make is like if you're having a good time and it's part of you, it's no different than drawing, painting. You, you yeah. know, fuck fuck the fans, fuck the views. Uh, that's a bonus. You know what I mean? Right. And let me just give some quick quick inspiration to everybody out there that gave me inspiration at a young age. Yellow Wolf didn't get signed to Shady Records till he was like 30. Yeah. Like, quote me on that, he might have been 31, 29, but he was, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And it's like, when I was a kid, I used to base everything for, again, I wanted to be like Bow Wow at first. Yeah. So by the time I was like 17, I was starting to feel like a failure. But then, <laughs> but then we had like, odd future and young people coming out. So I was like, I'll be the teenage rapper who's like, who, who's like goofy and wild or whatever. And, but again, over time, I started getting inspired by story. Even like 2 Chainz, bro. 2 Chainz used to be Titty Boy. Yeah. Like he was, you know what I mean? And then he had a resurgence when he's like 30 years old and was bigger than ever. And like a Tech 9 had been grinding since the late 80s, early 90s. And I've known him since Absolute Power, which he was still super underground at that time. Mm -hmm. But like, he's still getting bigger. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's crazy that he hit yeah. his biggest milestones when he was in his forties, you know? So yeah, it's wild. Man. Inspiration to everybody. Dude, music is a sound first off. You know what I mean? So it's like sound. I don't know. Sound doesn't have a fucking age. Like it can, your shit can get outdated, but yeah, you know, I, I truly feel like, yeah, the age doesn't really matter that much. It definitely does as far as going viral. Like if you're young, it's right. easier to go viral. I feel like if you're 17, 18, because you got the shot, the, the shot value to it. That's what I wanted when I was a kid. I was like, oh, they'll be like, he's 14 and he's ripping it up. And then, you know, but whatever. Again, <laughs> inspiration to everybody. And even now, there's so many lanes. I mean, we talk about like how when we were younger, there was just like hardcore hip hop, like I'll kill you, I'll murder you. And then like kind of like the soft or whatnot. But there's everything. I mean, you've got MGK who like started as like, I'm a wild boy, like hardcore stuff. And then he's just yeah. like singing and shit. And like, and I respect Why that. Like, if, if you want to get in the industry and then find your own lane versus find your lane and the industry doesn't want you, like, I, I get that. I get that a lot. So it's just interesting to see, like, as far as like never give up because like do whatever you have to do because your lane may not even be mainstream yet. And you can create your own lane. And, and become that's another that's a good point that you brought up too, because uh, people who follow waves or try to keep up with what's trending by time, whatever is trending makes it to you. It's done. It's yes. done. Like by time that new video you see, that's getting a hundred million views by time you recreate that with your homies, it's done. Like, and so it's better to just be working on your own shit. And one of two scenarios can happen. Like one, the shit you're working on might just be the shit one day for whatever reason, or yeah. two, you're going to develop a core. Like, be you're going to develop a core fan base if you do this shit long enough, no matter what. Because if you like something, if you like music, right, there's other people that will like it because you're a person. You know what I mean? And there's so many people in this world. So if you can genuinely say that you enjoy the music that you make, you know, then and you grind it and keep on working at it, even if it's not fucking huge, dude, you'll develop a core. Like before yeah. I signed with, with MNE, I could do shows in New Jersey and it might not be big to some people, but I could have 50 people there, you know? And I could yeah. sell $400 worth of merch with my own logo on it that my boy drew for me that I printed up. And it's like, that shit meant yeah. the world to me. 
that's the reason giving up never really uh, appeared in my mind either. Because as long as I had two or three people, I was always uh, cool with putting my shit out there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And as far as long, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say I want to keep them one or two people fed. So, but keep going. Yeah. As far as longevity goes, though, like I'd rather have a hardcore a loyal fan of 50 to 100 that could tell their friends will always stick with you than being hot for like a year and then everyone goes all right i'm gonna go to ariana grande or somebody else you know what i mean like it's like i mean like look look at icp you got people that yeah paint their face and they've been around he's still here oh yeah like icp icp they paint their face and they have fans that have been around like i heard of them in like 2000 like 21 years ago that people have been like people that is our loyal fan. It doesn't matter what they go to, what they do. Like that is what the people are. So like, I think it's that, that just kind of puts a nail in it that like you should be who you are and your fan base will grow, you know? Exactly. Absolutely. And all those are like you just said, like ICP twisted tech nine, all these dudes, like they've been rapping their ass off, putting out, you know, an album a year for however long and promoting it. And it's like, yeah, those core fan bases, they don't, they're, they're not going to leave you versus like the trending. I know people, I have friends who have done things to go viral and then they get mad at what they went viral for. Like mm, people yeah. who have a video doing something with it, like a shenanigan or a prank that'll get a million views. And then they're like, fuck, my song don't have a million views. Now I feel yeah. whatever. So be careful with how you're trying to get on out here. If you are going to go that route of trying yeah. to be the next big popping viral thing. But at yeah. the end of the day, I, you know, just work on your shit, man. Make music. Make sure you enjoy everything that you're making. Make sure it's getting better over time. And communicate with the people who do listen to you and appreciate them. And, you know, don't sit there and be sad about your 20, 30 followers. That's very ungrateful to those 30, 20, 30 people who don't have yeah. to spend their time on you. And the more you appreciate them and listen to what they say and talk to them, then they're going to tell their friends about you and their friends yeah. about you and so on and so forth. It's and amazing. Then, go on. No, go on, man. Oh, no, you're fine. No, 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 you're fine. how I have to fucking uh, take advice from someone younger. Just be grateful. I'm, I'm on Twitter bashing my followers. <laughs> Why are you helping me? Like me, like me, like me. I learned at a young age, that's like the worst thing to do. Because I'm I, <laughs> trial and error. I've been, do, I've been doing this for 10 years. I've done it all. I went on there before. Like, that's it. I'm going to never actually wanted to quit, but I'll be like, I'm going to quit for a publicity stunt. <laughs> Nobody fucking cares. Nobody yeah. cares. Like, I say that at my job and they'll say, leave your stapler. See ya, bro. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> but, but to this day, you know, like if I post something thanking the people and like, I appreciate you guys. Thanks for going out of your way. That post will get so much more likes than when I post something salty. Because I get salty sometimes and I'll post something about the haters. Like, yo, fuck you know, whoever says this about me. And nobody cares when I say that. But when I'm like, yo, thank you guys for saying this about me. Because you know, you know what's wild is the people who hate on you, like, they're going to find your shit to hate on it, but they're not really following you like that. Right. So, yeah. so when you're posting something negative to your followers, those are the people who are choosing to follow you. Even yeah. if, it, you know, and, and shit does, dude, in the, in the beginning, shit gets very frustrating because you got people who, you know, they follow you and they pop up randomly and they don't support everything. And, yeah. But it is what it is, man. People have lives, people have jobs, people have families. And like, you know what I mean? If they've supported me one time, that's enough for me. You know, if you've shared my link one time, I still appreciate you. If you bought the first CD, but you didn't buy the last three, then you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, man. Like, hate on the internet is like a drug, to be honest. I don't have Twitter. I don't deal with that. But it's like, 
it, it's like something about this this artist or this this actor actress whatever is sinking it's like everybody needs to jump on them and it's just like an addictive type of hate type of thing but like if you say i appreciate you my followers this and that like people kind of stop and they actually realize okay we're all humans talking let me i I like this let me comment thanks man like your music helped me when i was going through this dark time or whatnot but if you're like fuck all the haters people like yeah fuck them do it like but it's it's not genuine like who needs that like the internet is full of that shit but like that's like that's great like the people that i appreciate that i follow like artists and whatnot thank you thank you like bless like bless is used way too much on that like that type of stuff like thank you to the followers thank you like i appreciate it like that means more than like fuck the haters anybody can say this like nobody likes you and you have a lot of haters maybe you suck as a person but to say like hey like everybody like i appreciate everyone who supported me like thank you for buying my shit like that means way more than than the hate but the hate kind of like overshadows everything else on the internet so it's just kind of a weird balance we're in it definitely does and it can get to me at times too like i'll be reading my shit and i'll have like 20 great comments that i'm heart reacting and then that one in-depth like hateful ass comment well for whatever reason it can like down the mood or stick with you and then you got i gotta remind myself i'm like yo look at the ratio of you know what i mean the negative to the positive and then i'm like that negative don't even exist if you're looking at the ratio if you're talking about two or three comments out of 20 or whatever and uh i mean i'm wrong even like when i got announced you know like some of the juggalo sites and kids were going in because they didn't know me yet also yeah it's important for that too man don't go on there and go too hard on them haters because they might be fans that don't fucking know yet you know and um this is also business and it's not you know, my music is real life and, and realistic, but at the end of the day, like, this is business and it's not real life, so you getting mad at fans that could one day buy your shit, you know? It's like somebody driving past Taco Bell and telling their homies, fuck Taco Bell, but if they're going to come back to buy a burrito, they're not going to be like, nah, you said fuck Taco Bell. You're yeah. getting that burrito. Yeah. They're going to be like, yeah. hey, you want, the new, you want the new burrito? You ain't like the last burrito. That's fine. So that's yeah. kind of the approach I've been trying to take to my shit and not take I'm wrong. Some people say crazy shit, and it's like you ain't have to say all that. You don't know. What, what, what was the? What was the? What was? Can I you know where you're going. You I know where you're going. To say it. What was the? What was the craziest shit someone commented on yourself? Like, I'm, all right, look, I'm, I can't say the craziest, but the funniest one, right? To me personally, the funniest <laughs> one was the, dude, the Blink One Eighty Two video, right. and I can't quote any one person, so I'm not gonna make nobody happy because like eighty people, or not eighty, maybe like eight people said the same thing. <laughs> And, and I know that they didn't listen to the song because they were like, oh, Gibby Stites out here still in Blink-182 lyrics. He can't write a song. And I'm like, dude, I didn't quote one lyric from Blink-182 in that song. You know what I'm saying? Like, like it was like a freestyle. And I remember people were coming out of nowhere like, he's literally on a karaoke machine reading Blink-182 lyrics. I was like, did you watch the video? I'm not even holding <laughs> the phone or anything. Like, I memorized my bars at least. Goddamn. It was a one t- we're in quarantine over here for Christ's sake halfway but uh, <laughs> i remember that man like people really thought that i wrote they thought that blink 182 what's my age again was the lyrics that i wrote like they thought that was the original and i'm like you thought blink 182 had bars like that bro don't yeah. get me wrong don't get me now, wrong they what, got all the talent how did you go from because uh, not honestly not in your lyrics i don't see icp in your lyrics uh, i i'm not a huge icp <laughs> fan as much as like I don't. I, I never really went back to their catalog, but I've listened enough to know. And I don't. I don't hear ICP in you, but I see the visuals of like um of an ICP in your videos and stuff, like the influence there. So how do you go from like a bow wow to like more of a horrorcore 
type yeah. thing. Like, that's such a weird thing to me. Well, it's funny because I went to that and then I, like, reverted back to, like, real life type shit. Like, I've always been a clusterfuck with the music that I like. And again, it was starting so young. So when you're eight, nine years old, I didn't know about ICP. I think the craziest thing I heard was Eminem. Also, dude, when you're eight, nine years old, you don't know what the lyrics mean to anything. Right. I was mesmerized by rap because I thought I couldn't do what they did. To me, that was like playing a guitar or doing a magic trick. Like the way they were making words around, I thought it wasn't possible. That's why I initially got into it. So again, it's like, it, it goes from everything that's on the radio to then being able to explore the internet and shit. Um, again, my stepbrothers put me on to ICP and Tech 9 Twisted. And then that's when I realized there was a, a whole different world. You know what I mean? It's really about that. It's about getting exposed. And people to this day, it's wild because with the internet, I wouldn't think it would be so hard. But to this to this day, I got people who I show them the new Twisted or Tech 9 and they're like, where'd these guys come from? Where did these... I didn't know there were people yeah. who painted their face and rapped about that. So again, it was about finding it first off, you know? So I wanted to rap based off of what I'm hearing. And then, yeah, once I found Tech 9 and all that shit, it was basically just like, I, I was juggling it out. When I was like 14... 13, 14, 15, you know what I mean? Like, I, so I fucking Hatchet Man, Bandanas, and, like, every single Twisted and ICP CD organized. Like, I would spend all my money on that. You know what I mean? Like, I was I was very much into that scene because of how hard their merchandising was and their storytelling. But then, at the same time as that, I was always bumping. Because, again, I'm living in Millville, New Jersey, South Jersey, right. and then I was living in Trenton. So I was always bumping Jada Kiss and whatever was popping on that tip and also like Lil Wayne dude Lil Wayne was one of my biggest influences when I was like 14 but I was always so embarrassed to tell people what I was into because I would listen to ICP and I would listen to fucking uh Lil Wayne in the same day at my crib you know what I mean mm -hmm. like I had her CDs and so as far as going from this to that it was basically being 14 learning how to record and then just experimenting with a bunch of shit like I had so much fun in those early years because I tried to do hardcore, didn't like it that much. I tried to do gangster rap, but I not that at all. How hardcore was it though? Like I have to ask, oh, that, like, was it like SK? Like you know, serial killer records, SKR. So like, was it that intense hardcore? Like, or was it just kind of like more of a Hobson thing? Uh, not definitely not like a Hobson thing. If anything, more of a Slim Shady thing. Okay, more of a more of a Slim Shady twisted ICP thing because it was like. Killing people, talking about like smoking crack, like yo, almost like a Jaron Benton type. It, it was right. like it was never. I always had lines. I never talked about rape or nothing like that, or like fucking killing babies or nothing like crazy like that. But it was definitely a lot of just like senseless things uh, for the sake. The best thing to compare it to, to be real, from that time is like Odd Future type shock value. Okay, that kind of hardcore. I never. Like, I don't know, I don't want to down myself because I had story songs and shit, and it's like, I, I definitely could have continued in that direction, but at the end of the day, it was not me. I don't like horror movies. I don't even get into that shit. <laughs> I, I, I like horror rap music, but then I, it hit me. I just like rap music. Gibby's watch, watching Made in Manhattan while he's listening. <laughs> all the, all these Y'all don't know. Yeah, I don't know what I'm watching over here. Legally Blonde, that end scene in the courthouse is one of the best scenes of all time. I'm just going to throw that out there. Where, where, where Reese Witherspoon actually gets her to confess that she shouldn't have gotten a perm and hopped in the shower. But that's enough about this movie. It's no clueless or mean girls. But anyway, back to hardcore rap. Anyway, back to Friday. 
Um, but you shouldn't be ashamed because, like, and I want to touch on it because you said you were embarrassed, like, talking about the people you listen to. I've been noted to say on this web, on this show, I'm a huge Elton John fan. I'm a huge Air Supply fan. Like, I love Air Supply. Lifestyles, not music. Yeah, yeah. Ace, Ace of Bass, all these bands. Like, I, I love them. I, I, they have so much influence for me. So, like, are there any bands, musicians that you grew up listening to? That, like, let's say Ario Speedwagon, something crazy that your fans would be like, what? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. New Jersey, Bon Jovi, bro. Okay. Fucking, uh, living on okay. the fire, come on. All right. Is there anything? Is there anything in your iPod, i iPhone music? I say iPod. That dates myself. But iPhone that you would be like, I don't want people to see. Celine this. Dion. I'm a huge Shania Twain fan. Something like that. Yeah. Anything that you're like, ooh, I don't want. People yeah. To yeah. 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 And I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna give you the exclusive. Good. Okay. Alanis Morissette. Alanis, Alanis Morissette is a great one. Jagged Little she Pill. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> I think I posted her when I was listening to her, actually. That ain't that exclusive. Uh, fucking what? Oasis. Wonderwall. You'll catch okay. me singing Wonderwall to myself. Wonderwall. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Alanis Morissette's very good. Jagged Little Pill is one of the best albums in the 90s, honestly. It was a good I, like, I remember my mom had it on bump because she was a single mom, so that shit got mad rotation. I like I like Oasis, but I this was back in the day. I was shoveling my big ass driveway, um, not a big house, but long driveway, and uh, I had my headphones in. I had gloves on. I couldn't change the song, and it was stuck on Champagne Supernova. Do you know how depressing it is to shovel when it's like twenty degrees out, listening to Champagne it's Supernova? A seven minute song too. It's a seven minute song. And it was a Champagne Supernova. and I'm just like throwing this snow by myself, like it. <laughs> If, if they want to torture anybody, just ha- play that song and have them shovel snow. It's one of the worst experiences. I, I digress. Love that song. Jesus. It's a torture that scenario. It, 20 that. times? It's the worst song. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it's so long. How'd you hook, get hooked up with the label you signed to, and were you cautious? Because, like, I, at 20, I got offered a deal. I won't say from who, and I was very cautious. I didn't do it. So, like, at that age, I probably one of the biggest regrets of my life looking back on it because here I am in a basement doing a podcast. So, like, how were you at that age, like, to actually take the deal? And um, were you given free range to collab with who you wanted with, or, or were there any stipulations? Uh, first off – so, all right, when the deal came about, I was um, I was excited about it because I had been saying for a few years now, I was like, the only independent labels I have interest in are Magic Ninja Entertainment and Strange Music because I had been following Magic Ninja since they started. Like, Magic Ninja, you know, Twisted left Psychopathic and started Magic Ninja, um, I want to say about eight years ago or so. And I had been following from then because Twisted was just one of my favorite rap groups. No matter who they were signed to who they were tied to they had jumped into the rank of like my top five over my lifetime so i had been following magic ninja and i always was watching them and was like man i could be this for that label like i know i could fit in there i know i could get on there and be the dude who doesn't have to paint his face or maybe be the guy who doesn't have to rap hardcore or whatever i'd have these thoughts you know when i was younger and then over time, man, again, I'm doing independent shit and, and I wasn't focused too much on getting a record deal, but I definitely kept throwing myself like in, in their sights every chance that I got. Like I'd be like, oh, so-and-so is opening a show in New Jersey. I'm gonna go to that show and open that show. And like, you know what I mean? And uh, like Boondocks did a show in Trenton. I opened that. And then Twisted was doing some shit in PA. I opened those. And that's where I actually met Twisted. Like I got somewhat of um, to know their manager, you know, just from seeing them at the shows all the time and shit. 
And one time we're just kicking and he's like, what's up, Gibby? How you doing? This was George, my manager now. Um, and I just started dropping on him. I was like, yo, can I meet the guys? Like, what up? Can I, can I do that? And he did. He let me meet Jamie and Paul from Twisted for a minute. And um, Jamie, to keep it real brief, Jamie followed me on Instagram that night. Like, it, just, it was like a two-minute meeting, just what's up, how you doing? Had them sign my arm, and I got it autographed. And uh, he followed me on Instagram that night and was keeping up with everything I was doing, you know what I mean? Uh, for, like, three, four months before any talk of me signing anything, I just got the dude from Twisted fucking, like, just following me, following me, liking my shit, liking my shit. So by the time they offered the deal, it was like, I was still shocked because they got this Welcome to the Underground thing going on which is the sub-label they started. So when they wanted me for MNE, like the main label, it was basically Jamie called me himself and was like, yo, I've never had a protege or nothing like that to say, but I really fuck with your rapping. I want to sign you to the label and I want to introduce you. Like, I want you to come out here. I want to really hang out with you and make an EP with you. You know what I mean? Like, I want to... So that right there, everything about that, and then also the thing you said about collabs, yeah, it was like, you know, you can still collab with who you want, da-da-da-da-da, it's nothing... Um, there's not really no... Like, there there was no briefing, like, you can't do this, Gibby Stipe, and that's what made me happy, you know? Right. There was no briefing, like, you can't work with these so-and-so, nothing like that, you know? There was no kind of, like, you have to make this music either, but they were like, yo, do you want to come out here to Detroit, make an EP with Jamie to introduce you? And that shit was like a dream come true. Um, because again, this is one of my favorite rappers of all time. And so the deal, nah, I really wasn't hesitant at all because if it had been a bigger label, I would have been more hesitant. You know what I mean? Like if it would have been a fucking Atlantic or an Interscope or something, I would have been like real hesitant. But it being them and having the conversations we had and reading the contract and everything, and it's just like, I really like how we set everything up. Uh, they made sure I was happy. There's been just so much love shown to so many things that could be business, but they're not business. So much homie love. Like, again, me and Jamie working in the studio on that EP, we could have mailed that shit in, you know what I mean, from New Jersey and Detroit. They really brought me out there and, and, and let me kick it with him. And that was his idea, too. Jamie just wanted to kick it with me and work on this music in person. So how personal everything was definitely help me not be hesitant to do it you know what i mean right no that's a good point because uh like you hear artists like let's say joel ortiz was on shady records but he was on the or aftermath and he was on the shelf and he never really got released so like the bigger labels it's almost like they try to change you so i think the independent labels it's more like you are yourself but they at least promote you you know right and you know what made me what really made me happy from the jump dude the first phone call we had almost as soon as it started Jamie said, describe your rapping style to me. You know, like, who are you? What you rap about? He already followed me, but he wanted me to say it, you know? And I told him off the, off the jump, I was like, I'm going to be real. I don't got a crazy gimmick or image thing. Um, I don't, I rap about reality a lot. Like, what does go on in my life? Like, it's not very fictional, you know? Because I know that Magic Ninja and that most of that lane is based on hardcore roots and uh, theatrics and things that I'm a fan of. But again, I went the more... Nas, Tupac, Root, if you would, of using, of using my name and my face and all that. And um, as soon as I said that to him, you know, because I'm kind of I'm nervous saying this, like, yeah, man, I don't, I don't have a gimmick or nothing. I don't got a... And he was like, I fucking love it. I love it. That's what I've been looking for. You know what I mean? He's like, that's, you know, like, he was like, there's a new generation of fans. And there was, you know, he understood what I already understood. You know what I mean? That people can be into this style of rap, but not be into certain aspects of it. You know what I mean? And that like 
hip hop is hip hop. And in this day and age, to be real, music is music because with all the fucking genre blending going on, you know? But I'm like, man, I don't know. That, that made me very comfortable with the fact that there was no form of like, are you sure you don't want to paint your face? Are you sure you don't want to change your name? Are you sure you don't want to rap like me? It was none of that. You know, he was like, fuck yeah. All right, come out here. Let's make music. And then the music we made together, great dude. He didn't push nothing on me that I wouldn't have already done, you know, and that it, it, everything like that made me feel real comfortable. I got like almost two proud because I got the EP coming out. Um, get my little promo, 13.00 EP coming uh, February 19th. Get your pre-order, y'all. But then we got an LP coming uh, later this year, too, that's, like, almost done. And a lot of that is done with the homies I was fucking with before the deal, you know? Uh, Charlie Beans, he did half of my last album. My boy DJ Immaculate, my hometown homie. So, man, they're still letting me work with all my people. They, they haven't made me change anything about myself. So, yeah, it's, it's been great so far, everything going forward. And, uh, yeah. That's awesome, man. All right, give me uh, I'll pass it around to Eric one more time if you got a question. If not, we'll get to our final segment, which I think you enjoy because I think we've gotten along here. Eric? I'm, I'm, I'm just very excited for this section. I think you're awesome, dude. You're a very chill bro. I feel like we're just like we grew up together. We're hanging. Like, good luck to everything. Let me get that out of the way before we do this gun to your head section. All right, oh, man, I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, man. What, what we do in this last segment is uh, it's called Gun to Your Head, and each of us asks two questions, right? And since we started off interviewing battle rappers and whatnot, we we kind of keep it a little wordplay and hip hop. Or, like you, you'll get what we're, we're doing here. It's not your simple Coke or Pepsi or anything. So at the you have to answer each of these questions, and you pick a winner at the end. Your favorite question, okay? Okay. And we're, we're pretty fucking intense about this. This is like our 80th show or something, and we are we, we keep it tally. All right? Keep it tally. All right. So All right. I, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. I'll Eric, go first. do you want to go back and forth on this one? one each yeah, one? we're going okay. back and forth. All right, Eric, you go first then. All right, you're a professional boxer. Would you rather have a box for a chest or only box with your chest? Only box with my chest. <laughs> okay. A box with a chest would get punched through very easily. Yes. <laughs> That's okay. okay. All right, Scott. All right, Gibby. Would you? Would you? Are you a fan of cheese or no? Uh, yeah, I do like cheese. I'm okay. He's lactose intolerant, Scott. <laughs> I, I, would you rather only? Me. Would you rather only eat cheese whiz the rest of your life, or be a wizard who can't eat cheese? <laughs> What? I'd be a wizard who can't eat cheese because there are just so many perks to that. And but cheese you, was not that filling. No, but no, any type of cheese. You can't eat pizza then. I, I'm going to have to do that, dude, because like cheese, <laughs> eating cheese whiz, do you know how expensive that would be to fill yourself <laughs> on cheese whiz? And you got to do that for the rest of your life? All right, there we go. Uh, all right. Would you rather only wrap to scar tissue beat or get a scar <laughs> every time you use a tissue? <laughs> You know what? I don't use too many tissues. I, I, I run and grab the toilet paper, so I'm going to go with, you know. I'm gonna oh, that's, I, okay, I damn it. I was thinking a blanket, blow-nose statement, but okay, you got me just there. For the record, I never want to rap on the scar tissue beat ever again. I did it, I did it <laughs> once. It's done. Maybe at a show, if we get emotional, I'll hit y'all with it. Okay. I'm not going to write anything to it. <laughs> All right. So, on your keyboard, you can never use the backspace button again, or for the rest of your life, you don't have any space to back up. Oh, my God. Oh. All right, I'm going to take away the backspace button. I'm just going to have a lot of typos to live with. Because, like, if I can't back up, then, like, fuck, there's a lot of situations in life when you need to back up. Yeah. 
You're in a parking spot for the rest of your life. <laughs> Fuck that. I worked in a restaurant before, and if you didn't back up sometimes, you were getting burnt. So. <laughs> All right, give me I would one. have never thought that. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite question. Oh, what uh, box for a chest all day? Are you kidding? <laughs> that is that is the biggest upset of all time. I, I cannot believe that. Now I am I am appalled. I, I am, radio heard it first. Eric's the winner. But did you get the mental imagery that I got from that question? I, I did. Think but I thought I put someone punching this box, and my heart is just right there. Like <laughs> fuck. That I, I swear to God, Eric could tell you he thought I had that one. Are, no, are, no. What, what, the what, best what, is the best, Scott. Was it the wizard question? Because that was my second one. No, the I thought the were... last one was after the backspace. <laughs> oh, no, I'm sorry. That, you know. He's like, yeah, yeah that one sucked. Well, Scott, nothing's wrong with silver. You're, you're fine anyway. <laughs> There's only two people. <laughs> yeah. they, were all, they were all brilliant questions that made my mind, you know, so popular. All right, all right give me, where, where can we catch you at, man? Uh, plug your Instagram and, and Twitter and stuff. Yes. All right. So it's Gibby Stites literally everywhere. G-I-B-B-Y-S-T-I-T-E-S. I don't know why I'm spelling it because it's in the title of the video probably. Uh, <laughs> Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, GibbyStites.com, um, all that shit. Yeah, that's where it's all at. The 13th Wonder EP is coming February 19th, and you can get that at MMEStore.com. And those are all my fancy promos for today.